Yeah, so, uh, so I'm out one night, right, and, uh, well, let me start from the I, I used to love Pac-Man. I could play Pac-Man for hours every day. I remember, like, it, when I was, like, 14 and, like, or whatever, around, like, the early 90s, digging out my old Atari 7800, right, and just plugging in that Pac-Man cartridge, and I'd go for, like, eight hours at a time. I just, I, I don't know if that's something great about the game or awful about me, but <laughs> whatever, I loved it. And I never really progressed past that point as as a gamer. I didn't even know if I was a gamer. I just loved Pac-Man. But uh, so yeah, I never I never really got. I, I guess the last video game I really got into was like Mario Kart or something. So you're you know, I'm I'm I'm, I'm a luddite. I know. Forgive me, please. Uh, but there's this awesome bar. I live in Jersey City, and there's this great bar called Barcade, which opened up a few months ago. And it's all great craft beers on tap and retro games. They got like the old Star Wars game where you sit in the thing and you're piloting the X-Wing and stuff. And they got Rampage. I used to love Rampage. Man, the Wolfman, that's my guy. You can you can put in your quarter and play with me, but you got Godzilla or King Kong. I am the Wolfman. Anyway, so... Uh, I meet these girls at this other bar. Gorgeous, like, young girls. They should not be talking to a guy like me, an older type. Yeah, they're just... But anyway, somehow I luck into talking to these girls, and we all go over to Barcade and decide to hang out. And we get into this Pac-Man tournament. This Miss Pac-Man tournament. Miss Pac-Man, no less. Miss Pac-Man tournament. And, uh, and it started out with me flirting with the girls and thinking, wow, I'm actually, I may have a shot at maybe going home with a good-looking girl 10 years my junior, and then progressed to like, a really heated Miss Pac-Man competition, and then turned into me just kind of playing Miss Pac-Man for a while and turning around, and they were gone. So that, that, I don't know if that's an endorsement of Pac-Man or not, it's like, heroin's the greatest thing ever, but it could ruin your life, I don't know, but that's the love. I, I, I can't say that, I, that I'm up on, on the video games and your Call of Duties and whatever you kids are doing these days. Man, but me and Pac-Man and Miss Pac-Man, sorry Pac-Man, I, you know, we got a side thing going. But we go way back and, uh, and, I, and I love it and that's, that's my story. So, uh, my name is Craig Mahoney. I am a stand-up comic and uh, I am a Gamerati. Gamerati.com it's good to be a gamer. This is the Verbal Network. Welcome to Gamer to Gamer, the podcast where we talk about games and how they're being played right now. I'm your host, Tracy Barnett. Welcome to Gamer to Gamer. This is our second episode, and I am here interviewing Lily Cohen Moore. Hi, Lily. Hi, Tracy. <laughs> and how are you today? I'm okay. So tell us. I my first question here is. Who are you? What? Who are you as a as a gamer? What kind of experiences have you had? Just give us a little bit of background. Okay, I've been gaming since grade school. I think that my first Reverb Gamers post last month was about begging my siblings to let me come play with them, and when they were terrible, I killed them all. Uh, so I was responsible for my first TPK in in kindergarten. Nice. Um, I, I you know got that out of the way early. I'm I'm not so mean at the table anymore. <laughs> 
um, board games, card games, war games, uh, LARP. Um, I can I can hear the the mocking now. <laughs> there, there's a place for LARP. There definitely is. I've got a theatrical background myself, so I. Depending on the mood that I'm in when I'm when I'm running a game, it's half LARP anyway, at least on my part. So. So yeah, uh, if it's a game, I want to play it. <laughs> Excellent. What games are you currently playing right now? Well, since I'm traveling this year, I'm not in any tabletops right now, okay. which is very sad for me. Uh, but I'm in a Skype game, uh, an average of twice a month, depending on our schedules. Right. <laughs> um, which is called Aethertide. Um, if you hack the hell out of Cortex Plus and you take how it works in Smallville and how it works in Leverage and you dump Mage the Ascension on top of it and then you drift it like a car on nitrous, um, I would say that would be an accurate description. I want to play. <laughs> <laughs> that, that sounds really awesome. I got to play in uh, Dave Chalker's uh, Mage the Ascension Leverage hack mm-hmm. and, and just that basic without the whole you know nitrous drifting uh, thing tapped on, tacked onto it was a, a lot of awesome. So that sounds extremely intriguing. It's a lot of fun. So did you, why, why did you choose to, to play in that game? Ryan asked me and then he told me who I'd be playing with. And, uh, my response is, uh, linguistically inappropriate for a clean podcast, but I was very enthusiastic. Okay. So metal, metal horns and a lot of jumping up and down. Yes. Okay. And I, you said you are you're playing, so uh, this is the question that, that this podcast is centered around, and I love it because it's the question that when you're at a gaming convention, it's sort of taboo to ask. Tell me about your character. All right. Um, her name is Abby. Uh, she's a cultist of ecstasy, um, and she's much, much older than she looks. Uh, she awoke during the Trinity nuclear test um, during World War II. And stopped aging. Okay. And uh, just kind of kept going from there. Uh, she has serious daddy issues because her dad was an iteration X scientist, which has come up multiple multiple times in play, uh, much to her incredible distress. She is more than willing to totally screw with time, uh, which caused us to steal a car in 1976, even though we'd started out in 2011 ish and then we came back and it rusted and fell apart <laughs> i i've caused a lot of time paradox i think i'm still carrying time paradox right now actually <laughs> uh, i'm a bad person i don't respect time you know what I, you don't always have to when 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 you're a victim to it in your in your actual life i think it might be fun to mess with it just a little bit in game it, it's it's been fun. Um, not always to um, I, the other player characters don't always agree with with Abby thinking that it's okay to just you know travel an hour back in time. But you well, know I mean, we're still alive. Yeah, and if you were late for an appointment, now you don't have to be. Yeah, well, I we would be on time for dying horribly, and uh, I didn't want to be on time for that. No, that's that is one appointment that it is okay to be fashionably late for. Oh yes. <laughs> so tell me about the uh, the gaming group. What about the other players? How's it being run? That sort of thing. Okay. Um, we meet about twice a month on Skype. Um, like I said, schedule dependent. Uh, if people are, you know, recovering from conventions or 
working late. Uh, we tend to, you know, do skip weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. My other players are um, Leonard Balsera and Jeremy Tidwell, who are just they knock it out of the park every single session and it's so much fun because I can't recall a single session where I didn't have that post game high. Mm-hmm. Um, every session is the most awesome session we've had yet. Um, uh, like I said, Ryan, uh, Ryan Macklin uh, runs our game. Uh, so it's uh, creative and weird and hacked all over the place. And like I said, you know, drifted on nitrous. Uh, I would say that it's probably the first game I've played that's been hacked this much. And I didn't know that hacking a game could be that fun. (laughs) And there's a lot of rules evolution. I think maybe 50% of the rules we started with are still in the rules document (laughs) because we've changed the rest of them out. How's that worked with with the group? Because that sort of leads me into the next question. I mean, there are a lot of groups who want to have a firm, static set rule set, and this is what how we play. And if Errata comes out for it, it's a, a hair raising, you know, awful experience. How has it been, really letting the rules develop along with play while you've been doing the campaign? It's been. Mm, I would say much more fun than I was expecting. And it's been very organic because uh, we'll get to a point where a rule isn't really working and everyone says, you know, that doesn't really seem to make sense anymore with where the campaign's gone. So we kind of stop for a second and someone will suggest something or Ryan will be like, you know, I think this would work better like this. And we'll stop and be like, okay, cool. All right, let's run with that. So would you say that the, because you said the rules development is very organic, does it seem like the focus is much more on the story of what's going on than the mechanics that deliver that story? I would say that the mechanics are still important, but they're a function of the story. It okay. doesn't feel... I've played in a lot of games, Tabletop or Liarpore, I felt like the rules were controlling the game, mm-hmm. and this is one of the games that I felt like the rules really added to the game. Good. Mm-hmm. Uh what would you do if there is a way? I mean, you said that each session is more awesome than the last, which eventually you're going to spiral into a cascade of infinite awesome and we'll never hear from you again. <laughs> but what would you do to make the game better? Or has that already happened? I think it's already happened. I'm attempting to not write a love letter to everyone else at my table. Uh, by, all, by all means, <laughs> love letter away. This is This is sort of what this is about. We want to know if there's awesome, tell us the awesome. Lenny and Jerry are two of the greatest people I have ever had the pleasure of playing with. They're always 100% willing to go, and I think a lot of people can limit themselves at the table, because, like, you know, that's just, that's a little too crazy. Even for me, I should I should hold back. They don't hold back. They just, there is a cliff, and there are things, and they're on fire, and they just <laughs> jump. It's a beautiful free fall every single time I play with them, and... I would say that at least once per session, both of them will do things that will surprise me. And the role play has been incredibly quality. I was a little reticent when we started because I thought that maybe a Skype game would feel weird. And I think that with the right group of people, it feels just as intimate and normal as sitting down at a table with your friends in person. Yeah, uh, I've played on Skype 
quite a bit and, and with the right group you forget that the camp you know you're sitting in front of a computer and you're not there at the table with them it's it's pretty cool now just for clarification when you say lenny are we talking lenny balsera yes okay i had the chance to game with him at origins this past year and for those who are listening who wonder who is this man and what magic does he possess at the table he has all of it all of the <laughs> magic at the game table he has he uh, did a lot of work on the Dresden Files RPG. He's currently working on Fate Core, and he is a man amongst men when he when it comes to tabletop role playing. So I back up everything that Lily just said. Yay! <laughs> I love being backed up. Yeah, yeah, Lenny is is wonderful. There, I think probably in the first month or two that we were playing, Lenny and I were you know suffering from mutual like, oh man, that session was so awesome, and we started talking about. Music and gaming soundtracks, and before I knew it, it was much, much later than it should have been just in my time zone, mm-hmm. uh, and we had assembled a soundtrack for Aethertide. Uh, it, it, was, it was good. <laughs> what, uh, what else on the soundtrack? Oh, wow. I think I actually have a copy of our playlist somewhere. Oh, we did general themes and themes to the characters, um... And episode themes, um, since it's a very episodic game, I think if I'm going to touch on it really briefly, um, Worry About You by Ivy was our best general theme, in my opinion, um, though that kind of vies with Letters from the Sky by Civil Twilight. Um, Abby's best theme is Girl in the War by Josh Ritter, uh, Josh Ritter um, Atlas Six, who is now Frank Atlas 2.0, which is an odyssey in and of itself, uh, comes and goes. Great Glasswell is, I think, the theme that's best now. And James's themes, uh, Rocket Scientist by Teddy Barris, is still perfect, just pitch perfect spot on. Because he's still kind of a... Uh, a word that I cannot say because this is a, a clean podcast. Okay. <laughs> and and I have to say that I have not heard of a single one of the bands that you just mentioned. So I have now just expanded my musical vocabulary to, vocabulary as well. Uh, they they are all fantastic, fantastic bands. I endorse highly. I have some I have some googling to do when we finish this. Yay! So you're playing Aether Tide right now, and this is the only game that you really can play because of your schedule, but before, when you had a regular, like, in-person gaming group, did you often add new games to the library of what you played, or did you sort of stick to the same kind of thing for a number of, you know, for a long period of time? I think that because of the gaming groups I was with, I would often stick to the same sorts of things. Um, a lot of the people I was playing with are very, 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 very into D&D, and I love D&D, but I... A girl cannot live by sword and sorcery alone. At least this girl can't. Um, I'm sure that there are are women who can, and I highly endorse, you know, you play what you love. But I, I kind of started burning out on D&D after a while. I, in part, turned to live tweeting to attempt to re-engage with what I loved about the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to pay attention, because you can't live tweet witty things if you're not paying attention to the table. <laughs> yes, very true. Yes. Uh, but yeah, D&D, Shadowrun, um, there was a very, very long binge on old school White Wolf games, because apparently we all needed to relive our college years. Okay. <laughs> uh, which was a lot of fun. Um, there are still games that we talk about, and uh, game sessions where we curse each other's names for things that we did five or six years ago. <laughs> <laughs> 
to to rewind real quick, uh, tell me about the live tweeting of your games. I know you wrote a post on that for your blog, and I am probably more active on Twitter than it's healthy for one person to be. So I am always really interested in the the things that come up with that. So could, would you talk a little bit about that? Okay. Well, um, I enjoy live tweeting events uh, due to being a journalist that cannot turn themselves off. And when I started live tweeting games, I asked my table's permission first, because if they didn't want me to do it, then I shouldn't be. Uh, that's I, I would feel that that would be a violation of the trust of my table, not to mention everyone else's time if they hadn't endorsed it. But mm-hmm. they, at first they're like, okay, well, cool, whatever. And then people started getting into it and being like, oh, God, you have to tweet that. <laughs> I'd just be sitting there rolling my dice and they're like, you, no, no, you you have to hold on a second. You, He said something brilliant. Why why didn't you tweet that? <laughs> yeah, I uh, the asking of permission is something that I've experienced as well because I like to record the audio of my game sessions. Mm-hmm. And so making sure that that I have everyone's uh, explicit permission to do that is, is, is extremely important. Uh, something that I've noticed with the, the recording of the audio with, with my home group, when I sat down the voice recorder for the very first time, the focus of the group on the game amped up a couple notches. Like there weren't so many side conversational digressions and things like that. When people knew you were live tweeting the events, did that have the same type of effect? Was there more focus on what was happening because someone was chronicling it? I think that some sessions, uh, this I talk would just happen anyway, since we all know each other and yeah. a lot of people in my group worked with each other. Um, uh, Jennifer Brozek, who's one of my clients, I work for her as a personal assistant, was one of the people in the group. So sometimes we would get distracted with shop talk and mm-hmm. everyone would have to stop and look at us and we would have to get back on task. Uh, but yeah, I think the live tweeting definitely helped to increase the amount that people were sort of bringing their A game to the table because, again, it's it's not really worth live tweeting unless something awesome is happening or people are really embracing the sheer amount of crazy that you can have in a dungeon crawl. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so we, we have come almost to the end, and I have my second favorite question of the entire podcast. Tell me a story about a game you were in. Oh, I know oh it's, gosh. it's the hard one too. Oh, I've been in so many. Oh God, which one do I pick? Um, That's a good problem to have, by the way. It 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 is. It's an excellent problem to have been in enough good games to not know which one to pick. I'm trying to think of one that isn't just an anecdote or a punchline. Can I make a suggestion based on the little bit I know of your gaming history? Yes. How about the fiasco game that you played in at Gen Con where Logan Bonner was facilitating? Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. Okay. Uh, that was the second time I played fiasco, and now it's it's a tradition since we've done it three times. I now always have to play a game of fiasco at a con if Logan and I are both there. We were doing the Gangster Lon- London playset. Logan was the only other person I knew at the table, and I'd only met him twice before Gen Con at that point. Once at a con, and then once outside of the con. Mm -hmm. So I I nominally knew him better than anyone else sitting at the table. We, I, I did the post on Logan's facilitating style and why I, I, I did my love letter to that. It's, it's on my personal blog. Oh gosh, I think. My favorite, favorite part of that game wasn't a scene that I was in. Uh, 
Amy, uh, the other woman at the table, was playing this super obsessed, very not attached to reality hooker who was really, really into one of the other guys at the table who was playing a, a British soap opera star. And he's filed a restraining order against her and out outside of, you know, game stalking is not funny, but, you know, in, in you know, the, the realm of fiction, it can be. Mm-hmm. And he comes home one day and he opens up his closet and she's there and she's like, hello, love. And he's like, oh, God, and he screams. And they have this great back and forth patter. And she's really angry at one of his co-stars because he she feels like she's grabbing up on the screen time, which is what he came home cursing about and thinking about. And in this instant moment, he realizes that this totally crackerjack woman could get rid of his co-star and then he'd get as much screen time as he wanted and maybe (laughs) even a raise. And, And it was a beautiful fiasco. And just seeing two strangers have a beautiful, horrible moment like that was was so inspiring. Excellent. That that's the kind of experience that hopefully everyone can have at a convention game at least once in their lives because convention games can be hit or miss. I'm I'm glad you were able to experience that. So uh, just to wrap things up, if you want to let people know where you post your stuff so they can do further reading about the awesome things that you talk about, this would be the time to share. Okay. Well, I'm RPG Girl Thursday at Geekstream Girl, and I post a smattering of stuff whenever I have time over at my personal blog, uh, Lillian Colmore. Um, and I'm on Twitter. If I'm awake and not on a plane, I am definitely on Twitter. On uh, Lily O'Reed is my handle. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Lily, thank you very, very much for, for taking the time to talk to me today and being a part of Gamer to Gamer. Thank you for having me on. You've been listening to Gamer to Gamer. Gamer to Gamer is published by The Tome Show in association with the Vorpal Network. Gamer to Gamer is published under a Creative Commons non-commercial 3.0 share-alike license. The music for the intro and the outro was provided by Brian Boyko and can be found under public domain at freepd.com.